service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're glad that you're here, and it, it's good to see everyone out this morning. We have a good, good group. We also want to welcome all of those that will be watching on, on uh, line. Thank you for being part of our service today. If you would, please get one of the friendship registers from one of the ends of the pews and uh, put your name on it so we'll have a record of everyone's attendance. We come together each Sunday morning to worship the Lord, and uh, let's begin our service together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you give us every day. Father, we pray that you will be with us during this service. We pray that you'll be with Brother Jim as he brings a message to us at this hour. Father, we are so thankful for the congregation here in Boonville. For all of the many members and all of the things that we're involved in as a congregation. And we pray that you will give us much success in all that we do. We pray that you will be with us during this service, that it will be in accordance with your will. And we'll worship in a manner pleasing to you. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. morning. Opening song this morning will be, Lord, we come before thee now.
Let's pray together. Dear, most gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with humble hearts and minds, realizing, Father, that you're the creator of this universe and that you rule it. And we realize, Father, that you control everything, sunshine and the rain. We ask you, Father, to uh, be with us as we humbly uh, try to serve you. And we pray, Father, that we'll do the things that you want us to do. Pray, Father, that you'll be with this congregation. You'll be with the leaders. Pray that you'll be with Brother Jim this morning. He brings a lesson. Pray, Father, that we'll be able to listen and give our 100% attention to the lessons and try to learn more about thy word and father we ask you to uh, bless the sick bless those that lost loved ones especially those of this congregation pray father that you'll be with us as we live out the rest of our lives we pray that you'll keep us uh, uh, next to you and we pray that you'll watch over us heavenly father we pray for the leaders of this land, realizing that we're in a uh, tough time, Father. We pray that you'll lead them in a way that will, will uh, keep us the freedom that we now have, that you've allowed us to have. Pray, Father, that you'll forgive us for our sins, shortcomings. We pray that you'll uh, watch over us, keep us safe. Forgive us for sin. These blessings in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imitation song after the lesson will be What a Day That Will Be. For the song before the lesson, Brother Jim's requested this song, and I've never led it before. I don't know if I can do it justice, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm a little scared, but I think we can do it. Let's go be the church.
Welcome you to the Boonville Church of Christ. I'll always like to start with good news. Last uh, Wednesday night, Ken Scott asked that I make this announcement. He said that he and his wife, Mickey, would like to place membership with this congregation. They've been worshiping with us for about a year, and we welcome them into the family here at Boonville. Brother Ken is uh, in a gospel meeting in West Virginia. We know that that congregation will be blessed, and we look forward very much to having them back with us this coming Wednesday night. He's going to start a series on servanthood, and I would encourage all of us to be here to participate in that. When you think about the theme that we have for this year, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When you think about that theme, those were people in Babylonian captivity. And when you think about us, we're in captivity. We're in COVID-19 captivity, and so I think maybe that theme verse is even more applicable to us than it's ever been. I think about the lesson today, and I've entitled the lesson today, Sheep Food for the Scattered. And the thought about that is when Jesus was talking to Peter in John, the 21st chapter, you know, he asked him three different times there uh, if he loved him. And then he answered, feed my sheep or tend my lambs. And, and hence, that's the concept that when Peter wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he was really sharing sheep food for Christians. I've got three verses here that I'd like for us to reference. One is from the 21st chapter of John, and then the first verse in 1 Peter, and then the last verse in the second chapter of 1 Peter. John said, or Jesus said, and John wrote, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Well, when Peter was writing 1 Peter, he called the people that he was writing to aliens and scattered. And then in the second chapter, he actually referred to the Christians that were scattered as sheep. He said, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. When you think about how we're referred to, we're not only referred to as aliens, but as pilgrims or exiles or strangers, depending on which translation you're using, but, but it's, we're talked about being scattered. And... For the Boonville congregation, you know, I, I believe that we're scattered now. We're scattered by COVID-19 guidelines. We're scattered by fear of being infected by COVID-19. 
Maybe we're scattered because of peer pressure or family pressure. But are we scattered? You know, even with COVID-19 restrictions, uh, we may be scattered from each other, but most of us are still scattered with the world. You may find us with the world at Walmart or in restaurants or in doctor visits or ball games or at work or at school. I was just looking at Sunday morning at worship time. And if you use 375 as a typical attendance before we started experiencing COVID-19, in October, our outside worship about 39 or 29% of that 375, you could find it outside worship, 36% at inside worship, another 30% on the internet or phone worship. Uh, we couldn't track down about 5% of us, but isn't it wonderful and encouraging that most of the pre-COVID congregation was still trying to worship God in October? When you look at Wednesday night, uh, we've got about 45% that are attending Bible study on either Wednesday, on Wednesday night and Sunday nights. We've got another 23% that are watching or online or listening by phone. I couldn't track down about a third of the congregation on Sunday night and Wednesday night. But isn't it good that we've got that many people who are interested in studying God's Word? The purpose of the lesson today from the second chapter of 1 Peter is to make this spiritual sheep food applicable to us so that we'll understand God's expectations of us in a static, scattered state, but more than that, so that we'll move in the direction of being a more united or less scattered congregation. I know we're going to be studying out of the second chapter of 1 Peter, but you really have to go to the end of the first chapter to get the introduction to the second chapter. It's in the, the last few verses of the first chapter that he refers to the Christians there as having been born again. And then at the, in, in, at the last verse he says, Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. In other words, what you're about to hear was part of that whole gospel message. He said that these people had been born again. That causes me to think back to John the third chapter where Nicodemus and Jesus were talking and Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, these people had been born again. They had been baptized. And, and so we know that they had met the initial prerequisite for going to heaven. But that wasn't all of the gospel. When we look at the second chapter of 1 Peter, we're going to see some other expectations of people, of Christians. And he starts out in verse 1 of chapter 2, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. You know, becoming a Christian is a choice. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3 and Luke 13, 5, unless you repent, you shall all likewise 
perish. Repentance is a prerequisite to becoming part of the family of God. We know that because in Acts the second chapter, when the people asked Peter what they needed to do, the very first thing he told them was repent. And here, Peter again is talking to these scattered and he tells them to lay aside the things of the devil. He, he lists a few of those, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And then he goes on to say, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I, I refer back to the first psalm where it said there that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. As a scattered people, we ought to desire to grow by our study and understanding of God's word. You know, when you look at the Christians there in Acts chapter 2, we're told that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What a great example for us. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, is sometimes called the Hall of Fame of the Faithful. And just after reading about all of those faithful, righteous people, in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That sounds so much like what Peter is saying to the scattered there in 1 Peter, the second chapter. In verse 4, he says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Jesus has got to be our priority. We scattered people need to keep Jesus in everything that we do. We, we need to look to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. You remember what Jesus said there in John the 14th chapter when he was talking to his apostles. This is very soon before his, his uh, crucifixion. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, uh, COVID-19 isolation I believe can be used by the devil to influence us to take our focus off of Jesus. You just think about some of the indicators of lost focus. Things like stress building up. I know a lot of people haven't been able to get medical treatment that they were scheduled to get, especially elective things, and that can build up stress. The stress it's shown up in alcohol use, drug abuse, failing family relationships, maybe spouse abuse or child abuse. People can become addicted to social media and the internet. Bottom line is it's very easy to fall into depression when you're in this quarantine kind of situation. But you know, we need to have faith. And in James, the second chapter, there's a whole treatise on faith and works. In, in the 26th verse, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It is so hard 
to continue to do the work that we did before COVID-19, now that we're into COVID-19. But I am so pleased to find so many people that are actually doing good work. I know they're helping hands efforts that are transporting people to medical appointments or to worship service or building wheelchair ramps or, or cooking food and bringing to those in need or making phone calls and, and uh, trying to send cards to encourage others. Many have started to teach classes again. Some are serving as caregivers and several, several have and are working hard to make our assembly a safer place to work. I, you know, I'll just digress here for just a moment. I, my wife, Janita, is such a powerful example to me. She uh, is teaching the latest Bible class on Tuesday. She's also teaching the first grade class. And she spent a lot of this time there at the dining room table with her Bible open, studying, or maybe she's in the kitchen cooking for somebody. Uh, you know, we, just because we're in quarantine does not mean that we stop working for the Lord. And you know, all of these things help us to focus on Jesus. Jesus is to continue to be our priority. Just remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He goes on to say, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. I want you to just think of the many other ways the scriptures point to us being united as Christians. You know, we're, we're called the body of Christ. We're called a family. We're called the general assembly. We're called God's building. We're called the temple of God. And there in, then in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. All of that implies that we are united together. We're built as this spiritual house. You know, I long for the time when we're no longer scattered into three or four groups, but are physically united as well as spiritually into a less scattered congregation. He went on to say, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When we come together in this spiritual house, there are things that are expected of us. There are so many references to spiritual sacrifices in the scripture. That one in Romans, the 12th chapter said that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. When we come together, our individual stones needs to be righteous. It needs to be holy so that the house is holy. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 15 and 16, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
When I think about the prayers that are uttered, when I think about the songs that are sung, that is a living sacrifice going up to God. But do not forget to do good and to share For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Not only are we worshiping God, but we're doing good together. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 19 through 21, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always, For all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I call your attention to that, submitting to one another. That tells me that the context of this is when we're together as a spiritual house, that we're offering those living sacrifices. When Peter was, or when Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. One of the sacrifices of the church at Philippi was the help that they sent to Paul. You know, our collective efforts to do good are part of our spiritual sacrifices. I am so glad that people are still contributing to the work of the church. Because this congregation, as living stones together, continue to contribute to the work of the church, we can do things like help people who are in in benevolent needs, have our food pantry, help people who have gone through hurricanes. We can send relief and support to missionaries. By the way, this afternoon at 5 p.m., Brother Joey Barrier is going to be here to give us a report on the work that the Barrier family does. We've been supporting them for several years. Wayne normally comes, but his son Joey is coming now. And so I'd encourage all of us back here tonight at five o'clock because that's part of our spiritual service when we collectively have money that we can send to help that missionary effort. In verse six, beginning of chapter two, Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed." When we're stumbling, it's because we're disobedient to the word. But when we're not stumbling, I want you to notice what he says we are doing. He says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, in addition to offering these spiritual sacrifices, we're to evangelize. The great commission has been placed in our hands. Now, he makes a linkage here. I don't know if you've ever noticed this linkage or not. But, but he goes on and gives us a plea to live the word. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. There is a linkage between 
our successfully sharing the gospel and our being righteous in our personal lives. You know, all of my life, I've heard the phrase, do not bring reproach upon the church. Thank you, Brother Jordan, for leading that song. The very end of that song talks about go be the church. We are the church, whether we're here in worship or whether we're at a ball game or whether we're in Walmart waiting for a 45-minute delay like my wife had yesterday when she was trying to check out. I mean, it's very easy to lose your cool in a situation like that. But we need to remember that we're the church no matter where we are. Paul wrote in Galatians 5:24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He said this right after he talked or wrote about the works of the flesh and contrasted them with the fruit of the spirit. The latter, you know about pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. We know about visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction. But the last part of that verse says to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We need to be perfecting holiness. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, why is it so important that we be people of integrity, that we be righteous people, that we be moral people? Well, he gives us the answer. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So why is it that we need to abstain from fleshly lust? Non-Christians notice us. You know, being a hypocrite turns people off. I know as I've tried to share the gospel with people, there have been times that people have said, well, I don't want to go there because there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. Now, I know that may be an excuse, but it also on a very minor group of people could be a real reason. We should be proclaiming Christ in our lives before we're proclaiming him with our mouths. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you think about it, non-Christians' reaction to the gospel may be linked to what they have seen in us. Is that person a person of integrity? Is that person a person who is sensitive to the needs of others? If the answer to both of those questions is yes, then there's a higher probability that that person you're talking to will be more receptive to the gospel. In verse 13 and 14, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. You know, what does God want? Well, he wants us to be submissive to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. It's a whole umbrella of showing respect for authority, show respect for authority in government, with our employer, at school, in sporting events, even with the umpires and referees. Well, why? 
It is by doing right that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I'm going to give you a disclaimer here. Over in Acts the fifth chapter, when the Jewish leaders were talking to Peter and the apostles, they said, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. So in this whole concept of being in submission to those in authority, that is always true unless what they're asking you to do is in conflict with God's word. Submit. Be under obedience. Obedient. You know, when we submit, we set our own will aside if it is different from the instructions. I think maybe there's an overlap between submit and obey. You know, we'll obey all the time without getting our hackles up. But when we submit, it's because we disagree with what the authority has said. COVID-19 may be a challenge here. Those in authority say things like quarantine, wear a mask, social distance. You know, when we refuse to do these things commanded by those in authority, are we doing that because we're standing up for God's word? Or is this an application of Peter's sheep food? We need to role model respect for authority so that when we share God's word as the ultimate authority, people will know that that's a principle we always follow. In 1 Peter 2, 15 and 16, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. In the context, Peter is classifying submitting to those in authority as doing good and as a being obedient to God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Social media may be a, a mirror to where our head really is. When people read what we post, what do they conclude? That we're showing honor, that we're submitting to those in authority, especially government officials, that we love our fellow Christians, that we fear God. Social media can be an excellent tool, but it can also be an avenue to bring reproach upon the church. What does God want? Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the harsh. Now why is this? For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, a person endures grief, suffering unjustly. If when we are doing good and suffering for it, 
you patiently endure, this is favorable before God. Let's look at the last four verses or five verses here of this chapter. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. That ends chapter 2. That is sheep food for the scattered. So what have we learned? Well, remember that when we became Christians, we changed leaving sin behind. We should desire to be fed by God's Word so that we can grow. And when we come together, it's in a spiritual house so that we can worship the Lord and collectively do good works. And certainly we should avoid fleshly lust. You know, when you think about being cooped up in your house and watching on the computer, pornography is a real opportunity, a devil's opportunity on the Internet. And we need to be careful. We can use social media for good, but it can also be an avenue that the devil can get inside our head. We need to be holy so that our actions do not bring reproach upon the church or blind people to hearing the message of the gospel. And we need to submit to those in authority in government and work and by implication all the other organizations that we're part of, even school and sports teams and this congregation. We ought to realize that respect for authority is the foundation of obedience to God. I have two things here in conclusion. One is, we can be pleasing to God and bring others to Christ even in our scattered state if we'll digest this sheep food that Peter has shared with us here in the second chapter of 1 Peter. And the other is that if we follow Peter's instructions and as he stated Christ's example, we can come out of this scattered state a stronger congregation, a congregation that is influencing those around us to come to Christ. So I wonder this morning, does any of the, do any of these instructions from Peter, this sheep food, apply to you? Do you need to repent of things in your life? If you do, as we sing this invitation song, we encourage you to come forward and we'll pray with you and for you. Or if you're not in the Lord's flock, what a great opportunity now to come and, as Peter said in Acts the second chapter, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. We'll baptize you where your sins will be washed away and you'll be raised to walk in newness of life and follow all of these instructions that Peter has written. If you need to respond, won't you do it right now as we stand and sing.
this morning.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my the Lord's Supper uh, incorrectly and about three or four times during that whole section he says when you come together we have come together today to remember the Lord's sacrifice for our sins on the cross before we do that uh, I'd like to show of hands of anybody that may need an emblem for the Lord's Supper I'd like to read just a couple of verses uh, as we continue to prepare our minds. This is in Luke chapter 23. 
There was also an inscription above over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who uh, were hanged railed uh, at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God since you are under the same same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our sins, for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly I said to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The picture here is of two, two reactions to Christ's sacrifice. While other things are going on in the world, the Romans who did not know anything about what they did. They didn't know uh, the religion of the Jews, so they had no concept of what, what this man was. Then you have the criminals. I would think that one of them was at least a Jew because he recognized Jesus, maybe the other one. So as we reflect, do we just mock Jesus in front of his face like one or do we look at our own lives and remember realize that without Christ's help we are going to receive that condemnation of death so we go back to Roman first uh, Corinthians and we look through the the verses Paul doesn't say ye who are we ye who are worthy take this cup and this bread he says, when you remember the Lord's death, examine yourselves in a worthy manner. It wasn't examine yourselves, and if you are worthy, partake of this uh, supper. He says, examine yourself in a worthy manner. So if we go back to the cross and we look at that, that person that was without any hope, then we look at that and we try to judge ourselves, judge ourselves, not anyone else, but we judge ourselves. Are we doing this in a manner worthy? Because as we all know, none of us are worthy of heaven except through the blood of Christ. Let's pray for uh, the bread. Heavenly Father, as we come around your Lord's table, we thank you for Christ's life that came to this earth, lived among men, and suffered for our sins, though he had no sins of his own. As we do this, we examine our own lives, and we reflect upon his sacrifice and what it means to our our eternal destination. We do this in your son's name. Amen. for the cup we'll continue our thanks in like manner Father we ask your blessings on this cup which represents Christ's precious blood that was sacrificed for our sins Heavenly Father as we do this may we do so 
in a manner that would be worthy of their sacrifice of, of your son for the sins of the world. This is our, son, our prayer in your son's name. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper and another commandment that was given as, uh, as the, when the Christians met on the first day was also to lay by in store. Uh, and we have several places because of the COVID, uh, uh, I guess you, we all know that there's some at the front and at the back uh, if you have not already done that. But uh, in that manner, let's, let's go ahead and, and thank God for our blessings. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the material things of this world that you give us that we are able to enjoy through our, our labors. Heavenly Father, we now ask you to bless our, our contribution as we have already purposed in our heart that we have done it cheerfully and that much good might come to your kingdom through the efforts that we put forth using these funds. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything you give us. And this is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome again on this first Sunday, first day of the week, and first day of November. A beautiful day. And that was a wonderful lesson, Jim, as always. Um, just a few announcements. Of course, we have those we need to keep in our prayers. Uh, Adrian, and these are in the bulletin, by the way. Adrian is uh, in the local hospital. Uh, Ronnie's home from the hospital. Uh, Lisa Griffin is home following knee surgery. Tommy Coker uh, had a pacemaker put in. Kena Burcham, that's Charlotte Moores, and Debbie Kitchen's sister-in-law, recent cancer diagnosis. Ruth Staley, that's Anita Forrest's mother, be in prayer for her. Ronnie and Polly Sarton, that's Margaret Ann Sanders' brother and sister-in-law. Nellie Caldwell, uh, broken bones, home from home following an accident. That's Joyce Morgan's sister-in-law. Eric Hamilton, that's Lisa Horn's co-worker, uh, waiting on a stem cell transplant. And let's, all, as always, pray for our Bible correspondence teachers and students, all of our school administrators, teachers, and students. And as uh, Jim was mentioning, let's pray for Ken as he is uh, up in West Virginia spreading the gospel. Um, one thing, uh, the EYC registration, that needs to be taken care of ASAP. Uh, that's $50 per person. That's coming up in early December. And um, I have a, do have a card to read. Thank you all for the texts, cards, and kind words following the loss of my Mama Mooney. It is so comforting to know that we have a church family 
thinking and praying for us during this time. Love, Allison Wade. Uh, as everyone knows, uh, there is an election Tuesday, and uh, let's keep that and be praying for our country. And uh, I was just thinking, sitting back there walking down, every vote matters. Every single one does. So if there's uh, anything else, let me know and, uh, or let someone know. if We had 82 at the 830 service, and I didn't get the number for this service. I'm sorry. 170. 170. 170. That's great. So if you would, please uh, bow with me in prayer, and then as we leave, uh, do so carefully. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, this time has been so precious that we have come together. Our prayer is that we did so in a way that is pleasing to you. Father, there are so many things that we need to be mindful of and prayers that we need to conduct. And Father, we know that we do things together and it makes us stronger. We know that there are challenges in our lives and with your word and the wisdom you pass on to us, it is not a problem. Father, we pray for our country. We pray that we do things in line with your will. We pray that as we are given a privilege and a right to vote, that we, in our mind and heart, we have them on each other. We must, in our minds, remember that child in the womb. Father, we must always remember your design for the family, how it is so necessary for society. Father, we should always remember your kingdom. We should make all of our decisions in line for what is right and the word that comes from thee. Father, we're so grateful for everything you give us. And oh, how grateful we are for your son, Jesus, as he came and died and did not have to, so that each and every one of us could live eternally with thee. And Jesus is such an example for all of us to live by. And may everyone from every corner of the earth know this. And in your son's name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen.